0: This morning as we go forward here with this today, you're lucky because this is a preview to next week. So you get this at no extra charge today and you get to sneak in ahead of everybody else because we're going to focus next week on the Jesus full stop, all full stop conference that we're having here that will go all day and we'll focus on four of the parables of Christ. We will have children's Sabbath school, but everything starts at 10 o'clock. It goes from 10, it's on the clock. Worship service will be at 11, but it'll just be the second session, so we're having this thing repeat throughout the day and have lunch. You'll get a flyer on your way out about it so you can get more details, but plan now. It's going to be a great day. Please dress casually if you would like and come so you can be comfortable while we chat together and learn together. Uh, I would bring my Bible if I were you. I plan to bring mine. Of course, I do every time, but that's okay. So would you open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 6. We're going to look at just a little passage, Luke chapter 6, which is a prelude to that Jesus all, Jesus full stop, all full stop thing. And in Luke, you need to know a little bit about Luke. Luke was a physician, and Luke was not a disciple of Christ. He did not journey with Christ. He did not see these things that happened what happened is he was known as a follower of Paul and most likely Paul told him these stories which he had heard which he had witnessed some of those things that had happened to Christ so he followed that so Luke actually if you were to go word for word Luke wrote most of the New Testament if you were going to go word for word and the book the uh, gospel according to Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts, they all flow together. So they are one big kind of document together as it records the actions of Jesus and then the actions of the early church as as the apostolic church as it went. So Luke gives us that background. If we were to compare all four of the Gospels, they all had a specific interest and a specific need. If you were to look at the Gospel of Matthew, it presented Christ as the great teacher, among other things. But that's Generally, the theme, you find the teachings, the Sermon on the Mount, etc., as Jesus talked and preached to the people and shared. If you were to go to the book of Mark, it would stress what Peter told Mark, John Mark, about the actions that Jesus went through, the thing. He was a man of action and what he did. If you were to go to Luke, which we're going to look at through this week and next Jesus, uh, Luke brings to Jesus the hum, human needs about how he was a friend to humanity. So lots of the healings that Jesus did were found in the book of Luke. And because he was a physician, you would see that, yes, that makes, that makes sense. The book of John focused on the divinity of Christ. And so the great story of how Jesus was God is revealed in there. So uh, we find this particularly, that the book of Luke was written primarily to the Greek readers because he ministered among them and was part of that clan. So back in chapter 6, we're going to look at chapter 6 a little closer today as we look. And I wanted you to notice something about this particularly passage. The Bible starts out in verse 1 of Luke chapter 6. It says, one Sabbath Jesus. And I want you to stop right there. If you were in the King James Version, it reads differently. It reads and it says, it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first. Luke did not bother to tell us what was the second Sabbath after the first Sabbath. He never told us what. We're guessing that it maybe had been after Passover or some other great feast that they would have, that it was the second Sabbath, because they were counted on those Sabbaths, those weeks, by saying the first or second after such and such. But we don't know. We have no clue with that, so we really don't know. So when it got translated into the uh, NIV, it simply said, "Ah, uh, one Sabbath, okay, one Sabbath." Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Now in the King James version, you may have corn. More likely this was wheat or barley. They would say that corn, not relying, when we think of corn, we think of those things all in a neat little rows, and, and we eat them, and we have a great time with them, but they were probably referring to wheat, makes more sense. So they were making their way through, and as I have done with my dad, I remember going with him on Sabbath afternoon walks, and we would go out as children, and we would walk through these fields, and we'd reach up, and we'd take the wheat and pull it off. Have you ever done that? Pull it off, and he'd show us how to do that. We'd rub it in our hands, just like the disciples did. And we'd blow on it, and then we would eat the, the kernels that were there. It was kind of fun to do that. We pretended we were like the disciples walking along like that, to do that. So they took that. Verse 2, and some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Why are you doing that? You might ask, well, what in the world is the problem? Why is there such a problem with it? They're just walking along, they're just taking on a deal, and they're having a little snack as they're traveling. What's the problem? If you were to ask the Pharisees, and say, well, there's lots of problems with that. They would say there's lots of problems. This is a deep, deep problem to have with them. So what is the problem? Well, the first problem was they were harvesting. That's what they were doing. You see, if you just are under there, it doesn't matter the size of the harvest, whether it's a handful or whether you're getting truckfuls. It doesn't matter to the Pharisees. It's the same principle as you were harvesting. So there's a problem there that you're breaking the Sabbath because you're working on the Sabbath by harvesting the crop. Really? Really? And then they would say, not only that, but you were thrashing it, you were rubbing it, just like you would take and put it between two millstones and grind it. Here now you are rubbing between your hands. The work of doing that and your hands are doing that. Thrashing is thrashing, whether it's a tiny little bit or if it's a huge millstones that are going through. It doesn't matter. It's all the same principle. You have to follow that. Number three, they would say. The third one is that you were winnowing. You were blowing it. Did the work of separating that like they would do with all the wheat and blow off the chaff? You were doing that. And then finally, fourth, what you were doing, you were in food prep. You were preparing your food to eat. So you were going, you're blowing away, and now you're eating it. On the Sabbath day, how terrible that was. And that was a big no, 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 no. Make sure as I know no Well, we might respond today and say, well, that wasn't that rather picky? Wasn't that rather picky? And they would say, no, it's not. It's not. And as they were standing by, reality was, and they would say, Jesus simply stood by and never rebuked his disciples for doing that. Never did. Never said it. Now, you have to know something a little about the Pharisees. After the Babylonian captivity came to an end, the Jewish people learned that the reason that they had gone into captivity was because they got into idol worship. And they were mixing the pagan religions with their own. And God sent them into, um, into slavery, into captivity, as a way of awakening them up. And after... And after they got back, a small group of people, a small group of friends, said, we're committing ourselves to never, ever let Israel go back into captivity again. We'll never let that happen again. And how are we going to do that? We're going to do that simply because we are going to obey God completely. Never, he complained we weren't obeying him, that we were violating his law. We will make sure... That we never do that again. And so this group of Pharisees had a spiritual revival within them and said, We are going to be obedient to the letter. And my, did they go to the letter. They made sure... They made sure that every possibility, everything had been written down. They took the commandments, then they wrote the the, uh, oral traditions they're called. They wrote down these laws. They had them all down. They had it written and they had experts on the law. So if you had any question about it, they were able to uh, talk to you about it and make sure that you were not in violation. Why? How could you determine the difference between going on a trip and just going for a Sabbath afternoon stroll? So they had marked out the distance, how far you could go. And if you went one step farther, Steve, you were in violation, you were traveling. But if you stayed one step short, you would be good. Well, what if you had to travel a certain distance and you needed to go? Well, it's very simple. So if you needed to go twice that distance, you simply took your coat the day before and you laid it down at the end of a Sabbath day's journey. Now you make your Sabbath day's journey to your coat. Which, since your coat was there, you could call it your abode. See? So now you can go a double Sabbath day's journey because you had gone to your abode. See? So if you had enough articles of clothing spread out strategically, you would be in good shape. You could go a long, long ways about it. You laugh at that. They didn't. They didn't. Or if you, uh, on the Sabbath day, if you have, now I'm carrying a handkerchief, and um, that is a no-no on the Sabbath day to the Pharisees. Why? Because it's a Sabbath day's burden. You're carrying a burden on the Sabbath day of carrying your handkerchief. Well, if you had a cold, you're in trouble because you need to take care of your whatever. But if you were clever, you could take the corner of it and sew it to your garment somewhere, now it's part of your garment, and no longer considered a burden. So now I have it sewn to my garment. Same article, same thing, but I am no longer violating the law, because it is part of my just like my tie is. Now I wouldn't use my tie for a kleenex, but for a handkerchief. But anyway, I wonder if originally that was the way it is. So anyway, so that was what they were so zealous about. So when they saw this, saw what the disciples were doing, they were extremely upset about it. And they went because this was another opportunity to nail Jesus. And they were looking for him. And, they were, and I was standing on the ramp going up from the wailing wall in Jerusalem on a, on a Sabbath. And as I was going up the roof, I think I've told some of this, as I was going up a Sabbath day, as I was going up, I had a little pad and I got out my pen to write a little note when one of the rabbis ran up to me and yelled at me, no, don't you do that on the Sabbath day. What, that's work on the Sabbath day. What? Oh, writing with my pen, paper, is a violation of the Sabbath. So I waited till I got up into the Arab section, and I wrote my note. And uh, you can take what you wish about my violation of the Sabbath. From that, so Jesus is watching all this, sees them doing this, sees them talking they 're angry at him they 're coming at him, and Jesus answered them, verse three: Have you never read what David when did when he was with his companions were hungry? Jesus was referring to a story you can find in samuel twenty one verse six What happened was that the David and his arm uh, some of his soldiers were with him. Uh, warriors, and they came, and they were very hungry, and they came, and they were in near the temple, and they asked the high priest if they could have something to eat, and they said, oh, all we've got is the consecrated bread, and he said, well, bring us that. We're starved, so they brought him the consecrated bread that only, only the priests were to eat, so he entered the, he said, Jesus said, he entered the house of the God, and taking the consecrated bread, and he ate them, what is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Now, why was he saying that? Well, King David was a hero to the Pharisees. And they were hoping that another King David would come and restore the kingdom like it had been. So they were really looking for that event. They were looking to have that process going. So Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, if you were to read this in Mark 2, which is a parallel passage, if you were to read it in Mark 2, he'd say, and then he said to him, the Son of the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. So the Son of Man, Mark continues, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Get it? So what in the world does that mean? What in the world does that mean about it? I need you to, need you to follow this closely. What is meant by that? What Jesus is talking about is that Jesus sets the rules for Sabbath. How can he do that? How can Jesus set the rules? Because he created the Sabbath day. That's why he can set the rules. We'll look at the rules in a minute. But we find in the Ten Commandments, we find in the Ten Commandments, the fourth one says, remember the Sabbath day, to keep it all. Who's speaking? The Lord. He's asking us remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it, it should say, or on it, you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, uh, your, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. If you'll notice closely, it doesn't say the wife. It doesn't say the wife, I guess, is free to work all day long on that one. For in six days, days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So with that in mind, and Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, and that Jesus said he was Lord of the Sabbath day, Putting that together, we could ask, why did Jesus create the Sabbath? Why did he give us the Sabbath day? Well, the truth of it is, the reason he gave us the Sabbath day is because it was a gift to us. It was a gift. Therefore, if it's a gift and Jesus gave it to it, it must be for our benefit. Now, this is where you're going to have to wrap your own personal experience around what that means. What does that mean to you? Why would Jesus give you that gift? Now, I'm going to look into my own heart. You look into yours. But as I look into my own heart, and I will confess that if he had not given me the Sabbath day, if he had not asked me to do that, if he had not asked to make this day different than all the rest of the week, I probably would not do it in reality. Because I get going, and I get things doing, and I got, I got things to do. I got my honey-do list hanging on the refrigerator. I, all the I just start, do, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going. And I would not have taken time to be with my children on the Sabbath day like I do the rest of the week. I go off, I take, I do that, yeah, you go to school, I got things to do, blah, 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 blah. In reality, the reason he gave us that day was so we could be with him, to be with him. So, the rule that I have in my experience on the Sabbath is, am I taking that period in order for me to be with my God? See That, that kind of is the overriding thing. Am I taking that time to be with him? If I don't do that, I tend to let other things cradle out. And Jesus says, I know you have to work. I know you have other things you have to do. I know there are things that go into your life. But if you would take this time to be with me that one seventh of the week on that Sabbath day, if you would do that, you would find the benefit and the joy of it. When I was a kid, I didn't find much joy, but I remember my son. Came one time when Greg was small and he came and said, Well, can't we close the Sabbath early today? As <laughs> soon as he said that, I said, He's not finding the Sabbath a joy. Dad, dad, get on the ball. It was my day to be with him. So that's kind of how I regulate my day is to look around and say, How is that day going to be? Where I can be with him. Church is part of that. You bring, when you come in, you bring in fellowship to me. And I join you in worshiping our God. That's my day. You minister to me. You don't realize that, but you do. And you come in and you minister to me. It is a joy for me to be here in the house of the Lord. When I first moved to Naples, and I first came here the very first Sabbath... I tell you, I I was sitting back in the next to the back row. Uh, Young people always sit in the back row, so that's why I was back there. So I was in the next to the back row, and I was sitting back there, and uh, who should we have? Adam and Alex were up here playing for the very first time. It was Thanksgiving. And I was listening to them play up here, and they were uh, just starting. You guys remember that? Thanksgiving, that first time that you were up playing. And I'm sitting back there and enjoying this worship service with you. And I thought to myself, I felt the presence of God in this room. And the reason I felt the presence of God in this room is because I came to seek him in this room. Those who seek, find. catch that. If I seek the Lord on his day, I find him. If I don't seek him, I don't find him. If I don't take the time to say this is my day to be with him, I'm not with him. Got it? It's a it's an important principle. The disciples were walking along with the creator of the world. They were going through that cornfield or wheat field, depending on which version you read. They were going through it and they were getting a little snack as they were walking along with Jesus. They were with Jesus, the creator of the world, the creator of the grain field. Day to be with him that day. Okay, back to Luke 6. We've got to finish where he's going. So he goes on. He doesn't finish right there. Luke goes on. And verse 6, he said, And on another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue, which was like the church. He went into the synagogue. There were lots of them. He went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. Now, Luke would tell you exactly which hand it was. He was a physician, so he knew that, yeah, he had diagnosed that it was a shriveled hand. So he saw this man there, verse 7. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, rabbis, they were there, scribes, were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal. On the Sabbath. But Jesus knew. The Bible says. Luke shares with us. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man. With the shriveled hand. Get up. Stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to him. I ask you. Which is lawful on the Sabbath. To do good. Or to do evil. To save life. Or to destroy it? <laughs> Luke puts this in, and he looked on at all of them. I could just see them. He's letting that question just sink in, you know? What is it? What is right for you? What are you going to do with that? He looked around and he looked at them, and then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and the hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees, And the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do with Jesus. In other words, they began to plan to kill him. They were plotting because they couldn't handle it. Well, there's an axiom in Jewish Jewish tradition, Jewish law. It says, to refuse to do good would be to inflict injury. To neglect the care for life would be to take a life. So isn't it interesting that he had them over that dilemma, or thing that they had taught, and that's what they believed, it's proper to do it, but would Jesus heal on the Sabbath day? Jesus loved to heal on the Sabbath day. How do I know that? Because there are lots of healings in the Bible that purposely happened on the Sabbath day. And the reason is not one of them was an emergency. Not one of them. Now, some of you are physicians and you say, well, I don't have my office hours and I take a day off. I don't do that. But Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. Not one of them couldn't have waited to the next day. Couldn't have waited. Because it's always lawful to reveal, to relieve suffering. Always. So Jesus is there relieving the suffering of this man. Not an emergency, but helped him relieve the suffering. And the Pharisees had murder on their minds. That's what they had in their minds. Can you see the incredible contrast on the Sabbath day? On the Sabbath day, they were thinking of murdering this man. It was not their day with God, was it? It was not their day. Now, I want to share something with you that's part of this text you may miss. It's this. Whenever the person was conscious and Jesus healed them, they had to take a step of faith. There was some response they had to do. It was that first action In the text, it says that what happened was that Jesus said to them, you need to stretch out your hand. When he stretched out his hand, he was healed. At the pool of Bethesda, he told the man, get up. Well, the man could not get up. He's been a cripple. But as soon as he took that step of faith that he could, God healed him. When I first started my ministry, I was often called to go to the bed of a sick person and to anoint them, pray for healing. In doing so, when I first got started and went with men who were more experienced, it seemed like I was just going to go through a little spiritual thing and then let them die. The Bible indicated to me that it was important that that person take that step of faith. That they're they're going to say, "Do you want to be made well?" And when I ran across this particular concept, the idea that that they had to take that first step, that reach out that first step, to make that deal. It was then that God responded. Now, if they're unconscious, they cannot do that. And certainly God had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead. But stretch out your hand. And when he stretched out his hand, go wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. Go show yourself to the priest. And when they turned to go show themselves to the priest, the ten lepers, they were healed. When they obeyed and trusted in Jesus' words. Very fascinating concept. Without such cooperation, there can never be physical and spiritual healing. There can never be that growth to have happen. All right, next week. Next week. Come prepared for this day to be a great day for your own life. Come prepared to say, I'm going to come and make this a real big deal not because of the, of the music or things, which all will help, but you bring and make that commitment yourself. I'm going to. I'm going to come and I'm going to say, please, Lord, this is a chance for us to be together all day today. We're going to be together, and now we're going to teach. You teach me. And you know who's going to teach me? Those of you who are going to be around. You are going to help teach me. Don't get frightened. You won't be put on the spot. But next week, with the Jesus full stop, all full stop, it'll be a focus on Jesus and letting his words teach my soul to be open up and to be able to have it. It'll be an incredible journey for you. And when you walk out of here next week, when you go through the whole thing, you'll go out and say, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. And to have that time. So I invite you to be sure you make that appointment to be here, to be part of that, I think you're going to enjoy it. We're thinking about doing it every single year to have this kind of special day of focus on Jesus. And though, come be part of that to make that part of your experience together. So I ask you today, in this God's Holy Sabbath day, enter into the joy of it to be with Jesus. The rule is, come, be with me. That's the thing. Don't let distractions of life take me other places. Come, make this day with Jesus. You will love it when you do. Dear Lord, be with us as we make that journey and that experience. Be with us as we plan for this coming week. Again, we're going to have a special emphasis on you. I thank you, Lord, for your grace towards us. I thank you for the things that you give us so freely we'll be above whatever we ask. But Lord, this special day will be Our day to be with you, in Jesus' name, amen.